In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Yes, there shall be. This is the uh, staff that Doug made that he would always lean against when he came to church. And Vicki told me that it is... You can sit down. Vicki told me that this is a prayer staff, Ethiopian style. So they go to a monastery up in the mountains and use the staff to help them get up there. But by the time they got up there, they were tired and they leaned like this to pray. And every time Doug came to church, he brought this, he had this here, and he would lean on it and pray. Um, this is very similar, actually, to uh, a staff you might see an abbot or an abbess in a monastery use, which normally is just a simple cross-shaped staff that they can lean on. Um, sometimes they can use it to whack their bad novices <laughs> if necessary. Um, but uh, Doug considered himself not any sort of expert or authority or whatever. He just wanted something to, to help him pray. And after he became Orthodox, he made many prayer ropes. Doug was a craftsman. He was a master craftsman. And he made many prayer ropes. And over the last 48 hours, I've received several messages from people who have received a prayer rope made by Doug that he gave to me and said, Father, give it to whoever needs it. Amen. And people who said, uh, I have Doug's prayer rope, I'm using it, I'm praying for him, I appreciate it. He does not know me, but he affected me. He helped me. Doug, um, Doug loved helping people. He cared for others. And even as I was speaking with Vicki yesterday, um, she was pointing out to me what he was doing in the hospital on Saturday. As the doctors were saying, you're going to die. Today or tomorrow, you're going to die. And he was taking care of the doctors, <laughs> making sure they were okay, making sure they didn't feel bad about this because Doug knew this was reality. The cancer was more fierce than the cure that was trying to be used. He knew that. He was okay with that. He did everything he could. He, he obeyed every doctor's order and he did it all with a good attitude. And he wanted his oncologist and the ICU doctor, people who spent a lot of time second-guessing their treatment, Doug wanted them to know he wasn't upset. And they did a good job. It just was his time. You can't reach that point of peace without prayer. Anybody who came to the hospital on Saturday, and anybody who's actually talked to Doug in the last six months since his diagnosis, will remember that he was very much at peace with what was going on. He'd say, if I live, I live. But this will kill me at some point. Sooner or later, I had him come and speak to the teens back in late August or early September. And he told them that. He said, this cancer will kill me. 
But I'm not worried about it. He exuded peace. He wasn't flippant about it. He didn't say, it's no big deal. But he, he knew what was coming. But he was so right with God, he was so right with God, that you almost would have thought that he, he was saying, well, I'm going to get on a plane sometime, and I'm going to go away, and, and, and then that's it. Just so easy. He was very much at peace with God. He did the hard work, the hard spiritual work. Now, Doug's life was very colorful. I'll use that word. It's very colorful. Even Vicky said, well, I married him for the entertainment value. <laughs> and you, you chose a good one for that. She said we had a lifetime of memories and laughs in only 11 years. I think that's beautiful. His life was colorful. And he did things that he regretted. And he did things that he repented of. His life, as I think of it, is kind of like an airplane ride full of turbulence. And then finally, as he's coming in for the landing, he gets under the clouds in the last 12 years of his life after he meets Vicky. And then he has a very smooth landing. And those of us who were there will probably rarely, if ever, see a smoother landing in this life than what Doug, Doug had. There was no fight. There was no aggravation. It was peaceful and joyous. He was surrounded by his loving wife and by friends who loved him. And he was surrounded by the prayers of the church. So what's the takeaway? We might not be able to craft fine things the way that Doug did. As he was a renaissance man, I'll describe all some of his talents. He was a mechanic. He was a woodworker. He, uh, he was uh, a maintenance man. He did such a good job on the, on the porch. It unfortunately cost him a new shoulder as he had a little accident. He was an outdoorsman. He was an artist. He was a poet. A good one. He was a writer. He was a technician. He could do he was a cook. He could do so many things, and most of all, though, if he could describe himself, he would say, I am an unworthy servant of God. We might not be able to do all the things that he was able to do in his life. But there is one thing that we all can do, no matter our skills or abilities. And that is pray. And that is seek first the kingdom of God. Because Doug lived the life without God. And he ended up confessing most of it before he died. 
But his time in the church, in the Orthodox Church, his time spent pursuing God was the best time of his life. He made great memories with Vicky, but the most important thing they did together was work out their salvation. We all can pray, and it would behoove us to repent and pray with the deepness and the intensity that Doug Moses prayed with. He took as his patron saint Moses the Ethiopian, also known as Moses the Black or Moses the Strong. And the reason why he took Saint Moses as his patron saint was because Doug connected and, and recognized the deep repentance of Saint Moses. And Doug wanted a piece of that. And I'm here to tell you he achieved it. It's up to God to judge the final state of his soul. But all I can do is reassure you that he did everything in his power to draw near to God. Through prayer, through fasting, through good works, through corporate worship. And it was completely fitting that on Sunday morning, three and a half hours after he died, Doug was brought into the church for his final earthly liturgy. It is our prayer that he will be praying for us with the choir of the saints and the angels in the heavenly liturgy, which is going on all the time. He didn't love anybody more than he loved his wife. But as much as he loved her, he loved the Lord even more. And he pursued God with all of his heart. So brothers and sisters, as we weep and as we mourn, and as we miss our friend and brother, let us Learn from him what it takes to fight and scrap and take the kingdom of heaven by violence. Not physical violence, but with an emotional strength that is unrelenting that overcomes the demons that haunt us. This is what he did. He never gave up, he never quit, and he never stopped praying, not only for himself, but for others. I will miss Doug for a variety of reasons, but I will always remember his prayer. And I hope that in my life, in my lifetime, I can come close to matching his prayer even by a tenth of a percent. But our dear brother wanted to make sure everybody is okay. And the only way that he will be satisfied is if he sees each and every one of us coming to join him in the kingdom of heaven when we reach the end of our life. May God grant us that prayer, may he grant us that repentance, 
May he grant us that same peace and joy which Doug had, which led him to receive Holy Communion on his last day, and then immediately say, let's start the vigil. It's time to go. That is a level of peace that we should all seek, but it only comes from doing the work of repentance and prayer in this life. Let us not waste what God has given us, but let us ever turn towards the Lord, and when we need help, ask our brother Moses to give us some of the strength that he found in his life. May God grant him paradise, and may his soul dwell with the blessing.